When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go in three, two, one. What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast, a podcast to promote and improve your practice as an athletic trainer. Many people are looking to change settings, and the grass is not always greener. As I just talked to Tyler Triggs, and he said, you know what? People around me told me I didn't like sales. I wouldn't like sales. I tried it, and I didn't like sales. And so he switched again quickly. So as an athletic trainer right now is a great time. You have options. And so if you're looking to change settings, then check out this conversation that we're about to have with Bill Coburn. Bill was in a high school and a college. Um, now he's working in clinical. He's done a couple other stops in between. Uh, he's got 23 years of experience and he's going to talk about that journey. This is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Bill Coburn. So it's B-I-L-L like Bill and then C-O-B-U-R-N Bill Coburn which is his first and last name. Of course, I'm joined by my friend, John Seco, the organizer of this event. And again, we'll look forward to hearing John's story about changing settings coming up soon. So Bill, John, welcome to the Sports Medicine Broadcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. All right, Bill, let's get us started okay. with where did you come from as far as athletic training and how long did you stay at each stop and bring us up to your current position? Okay. Well, it started, well, I graduated from Ohio University in June of 2000. Sometime that spring, the high school that I went to um, had an opening. So the athletic trainer that I was under, or not really under, I was an athlete most of the time in high school. She was deciding it was time to just be a teacher and not do the athletic training stipend afterward. So that job became open. So I started there my first year. This was in Marion, Ohio at Marion Harding High School. So my first year, I was just the athletic trainer. I'd come in at noon and stay until practices were done. But they wanted to have a sports medicine teacher. So I taught one class in sports medicine a year, and that lasted three years. Then the school system went through some financial trouble so that that position got a reduction in force. But the vocational school, that was like a drew from a three-county area, was wanting to start an exercise science and sports um, healthcare program. So I got that teaching position. So that got me five years. So basically I, I was at Marion Harding high school for nine years, three years as a teacher with them. And then four more years as a sports medicine, um, exercise science teacher at the high school level I taught one and two levels, but couldn't keep the enrollment up there. So that got reduction in force and all that whole time. So I was basically teaching, um, basically from, eight to five and then, or eight to two thirty, it was, and then athletic training after that. So practices, I would leave early once that got, once I started teaching Rick full-time days and then obviously stay all night on game nights. And then once that position got a reduction force in the teaching part, the school system didn't really have a plan for how to have a full-time athletic trainer. So I went back to graduate school and then went to East Stroudsburg to get a master's in athletic training. So that was my, first in athletic training. So I worked with the, was a graduate assistant at East Stroudsburg in Pennsylvania for women's soccer in the fall and baseball in the spring. And I was able to parlay the baseball experience into 
um, moving down to North Carolina with Davidson College. So I worked with volleyball and baseball my first year. And then after that, I got added on a little help with swimming for a couple of years and then also some coverage of golf for, I think, my last year. But that was fine, but the pay wasn't great. The collegiate level, I think my pay my first year at Davidson was pretty much half of what I did the last year of teaching and um, stipend for athletic training. But that was going great. And then once Davidson decided to join the Atlantic 10, the travel got to be a bit much because, you know, with volleyball and baseball, those are probably the two collegiate sports with the most, you know, just game days outside of maybe basketball. So that was probably 80 to 100 games a year of covering and then all the travel. So when Davidson was in the Southern Conference, it wasn't bad to manage all the travel because we'd basically go from, you know, barely leave North Carolina half the time, maybe a couple trips to South Carolina, one trip to Alabama, one trip to Tennessee, no Virginia trips. And then once we got the joined the Atlantic 10, then we're going all over the place. Like one road trip for volleyball, we flew to Dayton, played Dayton, then we drove to St. Louis all the way across Indiana and Illinois to St. Louis, then played St. Louis on a Sunday and then flew back from St. Louis and got back Sunday night and then I'd be back in the office on Monday morning. So there were way more flights involved that weren't just cool trips. It was just, you know, your regular conference schedule. So during that fall, I had my first son. This is fall of 2014. So, you know, going on four-day road trips over weekends was not ideal. So I decided to try to find something with either only one travel responsibility in sports coverage season or move back to the high school. So I ended up going back to the high school setting. So I moved to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and got a job working at with Reagan High School. And that was um, through a temporary agency for the first year and a half. And then, and this time I'm living in like 50 minutes away in Greensboro. So I had a 50 minute commute. My wife was working in Durham, North Carolina, 50 minutes, like 45, 50 minutes the other way. So I did that for two years. Sometime around then, um, the contract for the schools was taken over by Wake Forest Baptist Health. So I worked for them, you know, doing the same work, but had a little better pay and a little better benefits for a couple of months. And then a job opened up closer to my house in Greensboro. So that was with Greensboro Orthopedics. So I took that job. So moved. And then I had a 20 minute, 15 minute commute, depending on time of day and traffic, but there was hardly ever any traffic. So I went to work with Northwest Guilford High School in Greensboro. Got two state championships out of that. So that was kind of nice. And then during my end of my first year there, I had another son. So it was kind of getting to be a lot to be, you know, basically high school outreach is pretty much all second shift. And high schools in North Carolina have way more sports than what I was used to in Ohio for high school. Like we have field hockey in the fall and there's um, no like real gap in between the seasons. Like in Ohio, we had, like a good month in between the end of fall sports and when you actually have games, you know, barring playoff trips into like um, basketball season. So football be over around Halloween, maybe first week of November, then you don't have full on basketball games till Thanksgiving and the same in the spring with baseball and softball and track. But in North Carolina, it's basically you're running season to season because you can stay outside longer. So you're at, say football, you're still playing playoff games and basketball is practicing, then 
basketball starts games early November and then they go through to March and you're, you've got, you know, spring sports tryouts are like around Valentine's day and they start playing games outside in March. So and that goes through June. So, and so that's, you know, that got to be a little demanding. Luckily I worked for a company called Greensboro orthopedics, which was a, just an independent orthopedic office. And then around let's see January in late 2018, they decided that they were going to merge with a statewide orthopedic group, which is what I'm with now Emerge ortho. They decided to merge with them. So once both kids were around and I didn't want to be doing second shift work all the time, they had an opening here for a work conditioning specialist to be, you know, just run a work conditioning program, eight to five, well, eight to noon, lunch, 12 to one, back one to five, out of here by five, no weekends, unless they really want to help out someone else. There's a few outreach athletic trainers I've helped out on like one or two occasions, but other than that, no event coverage. So I'm done by five, go home, do whatever I want with my evenings, no weekends required. So now I'm pretty happy here. Kind of living the life finally, huh? Yes. Yeah. A lot of changes. And, you know, one of the questions we, we have been posing this series is, you know, what, what prompted the change in the settings? And, and I know you kind of, you spoke to a lot of those and, um, but if you can go back to, you know, maybe one or two of those changes, obviously life changes over time and we find important things that, that we need to address and, uh, that take priority in our life. But can you, can you point out or talk to a few of the like really, truly important things that you considered maybe in one or two of those changes, you know, I, you're talking about the college setting and, and the travel, you know, I, I worked at a college setting for, for four years and, uh, our travel was, um, from I, we're, we're up here in Michigan. Our travel was literally everywhere from, I mean, the whole country, but our conference was Ohio to Utah down to, uh, Tulsa over to at one point Shreveport. So like that whole literally middle part of right. America, we were, that was our conference. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can definitely empathize with that, but you know, when you move from one setting to the next or from one school to the next, can you speak to like the really important points where you had to consider and the things that you considered when you made those changes? Yeah. Well, the college setting, I could be home for dinner every night, but you know, they were gone for the weekends and things like that. So I had to weigh that. So I'd say, let's just have mostly five days a week because hardly anyone in North Carolina in high school wants to have any events on Saturday. And there's, you're not allowed to do anything on Sunday. Because like the ADs don't want to work on Saturday, so no one else is going to unless it's a rare special event. So that was the one thing. That was kind of a trade-off. No weekends, but I was basically eating dinner out of my microwave four to five nights a week, depending on the event schedule at the high school. Then I finally was like, oh, I kind of want to be home with both kids to eat dinner and not eat leftovers four to five nights a week for dinner, just to have fresh food. So that was kind of the biggest change I wanted to get into and just be home for my kids um, and, be, and be able to you know, go to my kids' events if they have practice at night. Because I was able to help coach my son's baseball teams in the spring of 20 and the fall of 20 because he played um, rec league baseball. 
So I was able to help coach those. We go to all their games on the midweek and not have to be out of the high school covering a practice or a volleyball match or, you know, a JV football game on a Thursday night. So that was probably the biggest thing, just being on first shift all the time, every day, and not having to worry about going anywhere over the weekend unless I wanted to do it myself. Because my father-in-law is a big hunter, and he doesn't understand watching college football on a Saturday all day. So to bond with him, I started taking up hunting. So now like, I don't have to just wait till Thanksgiving when volleyball season's over. I can just go pretty much every Saturday or Sunday that I want. I can take a week off if I want to in November and someone will just come and cover me for that. And I don't have to worry about missing four or five games and a whole bunch of practices and continuing on with that. And I just have one of the outreach athletic trainers with the current company come and see my patient load for the week. Nice. Was there any hesitations that you encountered or, or that made you really weigh the changes? The kids going, leaving the, basically once I added a kid, I felt like I needed to change settings. Like the travel with the high school, or I mean at the college level, I wanted to you know be home more for the first son. And then the second one, well, burnout was definitely starting to happen with the coverage, especially in North Carolina, because it's just one after another. And there's only two dead periods in the summer where you could possibly take vacation without, you know, having someone else cover because they have one dead period in the summer for their coaches association and then one for the 4th of July. So basically just grinding week after week after week. And then the seasons running right into each other with, you know, no break of early afternoon, possibly getting home at a decent time is basically, all right, now you got basketball and there's only two gyms, but we have, two to three teams for each sex. So someone's got to go four to six. Someone's got to go six to eight. <laughs> so you're, you're there all night. Yeah, I was definitely getting burned out once my second son was born. So I was like, yep, it's time. So there was no hesitation in finding something from eight to five going into the clinical setting. Yeah, burnout's definitely a real thing and, and, and something that athletic trainers know very well, uh, probably more than any profession, I think, out there and. That seeing that as a sign and understanding that uh, is really important for, for a lot of people to, to see and recognize so that they are able to weigh those options a little bit more effectively when they decide to make changes out there. Um, you know, if you can, would you, what would your recommendation be to somebody that is in that space right now that is maybe experiencing some burnout, maybe some, maybe experiencing a little bit of the wear and tear uh, and, and is starting to explore a little bit or think about, could you give some um, recommendations or, or encouragement or uh, what would you say to that type of a person? Say, look for any, if you want to stay an athletic trainer and there are places out there that are paying better and have a better work-life balance. Like if you look, there's many industrial outreach positions available and that's usually maybe four 10-hour days or five eight hour days that will let you practice as an athletic trainer up to an extent and, you know, treat people as you want. So that'd be look for an industrial setting. There's some clinical settings that are open like mine and there's, you know, starting to spread out to people see the value of having an athletic trainer in a clinic. If it's not just working as like a physical therapy aide or technician to, you know, help the physical therapist, but to carry your own patient load. Yeah, definitely stay in the setting, just kind of, or stay in the profession, just change your setting until you 
either help recharge or find ways to get off, get ways, um, you know, to recharge your batteries or find a place with enough staff where you don't have to do the, everything by yourself. Like someone else can cover for you if you're weak, if you need it off, or you only have one travel responsibility if you're in the collegiate setting. So that, I think if I had, if I had just found a somewhere where I could work only college baseball, I might still be there, but I couldn't get a job like that. So I went back to the high school. Yeah. You know, so you spent about nine years at the high school setting within the high school setting at the beginning of your career and then went back to college. What was that experience like? It was weird going back as a graduate assistant after being, you know, on my own for nine years, but it was kind of fun because I met my wife, you know, on the commuter bus down to campus one day. So in that sense, it was definitely worthwhile. But, you know, it was more fun just because I enjoyed getting on the charter buses going just around Pennsylvania as opposed to a yellow school bus, you know, for a... (laughs) 45 minutes to one hour, two hour drive on a high school football game. And then, you know, um, although there were about a six year when I worked in the collegiate level that I watched maybe three college football games a year. So that was kind of the only real adjustment to my regular life. But otherwise I, I did enjoy the work, but the travel got to be a bit much after a while. How'd you meet your wife again? Um, let's see. So she was, uh, we were both on the bus. We lived in an apartment complex slightly off campus, but they had a bus that would take us down to campus. I was going down, I think, to the gym to work out or maybe just off to practices. And she was at class. The bus driver was off talking to his mom or somebody on the phone. So she was like staring at me down just to get her to talk to her. And I said, oh, hey, she's like, he's going to make me late. <laughs> so then um, ended up Facebook stalking her through because she went to undergrad with a um, a girl who was in my athletic training program, she was in the exercise physiology program. So I ended up Facebook stalking her that way and saying, Hey, I'm going to go see a movie tonight. So we went to see men who stare at goats and got married about two and a half years later. It's always a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie to take her to. Yeah. That was like the only thing local close that looked remotely interesting at the time in November of 2009. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Uh, Jeremy, do you have any questions? I'm going to share my screen here, but once you talk about the chart that you shared with us okay. and and why that is relevant, it's a big push in athletic training right now is to show your value. You know, in the high school setting, it's basically how much you can save the client by um, not having them referred to physical therapy. What they would do there, like saving doctors' visits for minor bumps and bruises. But this is basically how I show my value, and it's profit to my company. So you can see the revenue generated on the left for each year since I've been in this setting. And I should put the caveat that in 2019, half of that salary was from Greensboro orthopedics side. Cause I transferred basically June, 2019. I did a regional transfer to come over and join my setting. So I didn't have to switch companies cause we had merged with the merge ortho. When I applied, we hadn't quite merged yet, but by the time they got around to interviewing and getting through, I was working for a merge ortho with the triad region. So sometime in well, June 3rd, 2019, I came over to work with the merge ortho of the triangle region, which is basically around Raleigh, Durham area, about 50 minutes to the east of um, the Greensboro office. So the profit would be higher, but I wasn't going to calculate out with different salaries. So basically revenue generated basically by building work conditioning. And this year I've added functional capacity evaluations. We can talk about that in a minute, but Basically, each year is the profit generated and then the whole total profit generated. 
So basically that's been my value since June of 2019. That's an easy way to show, show your value as an athletic trainer. All right. So, um, again, this is the thing that you shared with me. So this shows what your salary was for yeah, salary and benefits. That's basically money into my bank account and money that they put into paying for like insurance, health insurance, vision insurance, dental insurance. And then we have a few other benefits that we get like legal. I think we have legal shield, something like that. All right. So there's a big step down at a, a twelve thousand dollar step down between twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two as far as salary. Is that not in that's just up to date. Up to date. Okay. okay. That's that's through everything else is like um January one to December twenty. This is up to this coming Friday. I get paid tomorrow. So that reflects okay. Um up through two months. So that should be a little higher the step down from 2020 was I was furloughed for two months. So did nothing except collect unemployment for like the end of March, all of April, and then came back the day after Memorial day of 2020. Okay. All right. So if you're listening to the podcast and you don't want to go check out the video, then just real quick. So in 2019, the revenue was 77,000 and then the salary was 62,000 even with the profit of roughly 15 2020 was 84,000 roughly and 56,000 salary 2021 the revenue was $97,000 and the salary was $68,000 and up to date in 2022 it's $110,000 in revenue with $56,000 in salary benefit again up to date as of this recording uh, creating $53,000 in profit so um Talk a little bit more about being in a, I'm, I'm salaried. So it doesn't okay. matter how much revenue or profit because I work in a school. Right. So tell me a little bit more about that. Is there opportunity for you to make more by creating more revenue for that company? Yes. I'd uh, get a productivity bonus. When I started, it was every dollar over 45,000. Um, I'd get 8% of that back for each quarter. When the pandemic hit, my kind of work, uh, patient load slowed down, so they cut my need in half. So basically, every dollar over twenty two thousand five hundred, I generate every quarter. I'll get eight percent of that back as a quarterly bonus. So I think my last quarterly bonus was about thirteen hundred dollars. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Is we see that we see the profit increasing over over the past four years, and I want to make sure that's going at least some of that going back into your pocket. So yes. that would have been my question. If you're just generating a ton of revenue for this company and, you know, uh, I, I would have, I would have had some, some worries for you. So yes, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you're using that. And that's a simple chart uh, for athletic trainers. We did this practice uh, for about three or four years when I worked in the high school setting, we used simple CPT codes uh, that were standardized in Michigan. At that time we weren't billing for services uh, so we were able to, and I just took like the top probably eight things that we did as athletic trainers that could be billed analogous to PT codes. And I was able to kind of generate that profit loss. Really, it was never a loss. It was profit. Um, it was like a theorized profit back to the community. Okay. And, I, and I wanted to say like between seasons, we were, um, and I say this with a grain of salt and, and with I think athletic trainers would understand this. I, you know, when you put this out there into the business world, you have to explain it a little bit more, but you know, I was saving the community in excess of about $60,000 every season. 
Now, if you imagine every ankle tape, heat pack, uh, Therax, you know, those types of things that we did or that we do as athletic trainers, if we were able to build those things, we would have saved, uh, in theory, money to the community, which was what I ended up doing with a very simple spreadsheet like that to generate more, um, to show number one, show my value, my, my true value in money. Uh, but then also use that to go and ask for salary increase and then staffing as well. And, um, if anybody ever is out there that is looking to do that increase either their salary or, um, staffing, I would highly suggest a simple spreadsheet like that, that shows value over time. Um, and that you can actually back with, uh, actual facts, gives you an objective number for individuals to, to read quickly, to make a quick assessment, whether or not you're valued um, one way or the other. So I, I applaud you for, for getting that money back into your pocket. So that's a good yes, thing. Yes. So Bill, 23 years in, you have roughly 10 to 20 years remaining to work. What do you see the rest of your days looking like? I, I like doing this for a while. Um, I'm currently in a doctoral uh, athletic training program at my alma mater, Ohio University. So I'm learning some other side things. So maybe eventually administration, but considering that I've just started doing the functional capacity evaluations with the current company, I'd definitely like to keep doing those for a while to advance our profession within North Carolina and then say that, hey, we can do this around the country. You can pay us to do this here. And then that opens up your physical therapist time to see more patients throughout the day. And so they don't have to do the functional capacity evaluations if you're company does industrial rehabilitation. Bill put in the show notes, his email is one of the best ways to get a hold of him. Uh, B and then his last name, Coburn 410 at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to Bill B Coburn 410 at gmail.com, kind of continue the conversation, ask something specific about his, his uh, revenue profit chart, or um, maybe ask about one of the positions that he has opening in his area. Again, uh, everybody seems to be saying, if you have a question about a job or a setting or the company, reach out to the people who are or were there. And so if you want to talk to Bill about one of those places that he's been or one of those people, people that he know, then hit him up on the email. Again, it's B and then C-O-B-U-R-N 410 at gmail.com. John Seco is on Twitter. It's the best way, most reliable way to get a hold of him. So hit up John Seco on Twitter. Just tell him how amazing he looks in that super small t-shirt. If you're watching the live stream, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, and then I am on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then if you're up in, if you're looking for hydration, you can always use hoist hydration uh, using the code DSMB. Um, so this summer when we were on our road trip, I went up to their headquarters and they gave us some of the pouches, which are really cool. Um, it's kind of like a, like a sun, a sun kissed or uh, whatever those little Capri Sun. Capri Sun. There you go. It's like a Capri Sun because they use those because it creates a whole lot less trash when they're with uh, the military. It's a lot lighter, a lot less trash. Um, and so they have a really good deal going on with the military. And, and those are really cool options. They got lots of different flavors and they got the, the powder packets. And uh, I don't know. I just I really like the product that Hoist does. And of course, they support the product, the, the podcast. So this is sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Bill Coburn, sportsmedicinebroadcast.com slash Bill Coburn. And as we're discussing changing settings, reach out to Bill, reach out to John, reach out to me. If you have questions about any of these settings, any of these uh, things that we've talked about, 
if you need help getting in touch with somebody, then let us help you there. Let us have this conversation again on air so that people can benefit from your struggles or uh, decisions, hesitations, your uh, decision-making process so that we can continue to advance the profession of athletic training. So for Jeremy, Bill, and the Sports Medicine Broadcast, that is a wrap. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.